How's it going tonight, everybody? We are Run The Real, featuring Mike, Terry, Fox, and Dan. And we are back with another Out of This World review. Oh, yeah. Yes. Well, we watched Star Wars Episode Four on our quest to watch all of these movies again. We watched A New Hope. This is the first one that was released in 1977. It was written and directed by George Lucas. Um, it stars Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, who at this time, most of them were kind of like not really well known. Currently on IMDb, this has an 8.6 out of 10, putting it at number 24 on the top 250. It won six Oscars. On Rotten Tomatoes, it has a 93% tomato meter and a 96% audience score. So this is a very highly rated movie by everyone. Look at those numbers. Pro numbers right there. I don't even think I need to do a synopsis for this one. It introduces Luke Skywalker, and he gets with the gang to go blow some stuff up. Yeah. Just a bunch of rowdy rascals. Bunch of extremists going and terrorizing the poor citizens of the Empire. <laughs> yeah. Vader's just trying to bring peace to the galaxy, and these meddling kids ruined it all. Yeah. <laughs> and their dog. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor Chewbacca. Oh. <laughs> Anyways, I think I know what the answer would be to what do you guys think of this one. So I'm going to ask something different. What were your impressions watching this one again this time after seeing all the other movies? To clarify, we did all watch the remaster with like the CGI and stuff, right? Nope. I watched the theatrical version because I have all the theatrical versions. You have them? I have all of them, yes. Wow, nice. So I watched that this go-around. I watched the remastered. So did you watch it on Blu-ray or just like the DVD special edition? Blu-ray. Same here. So all the changes. Like the most recent version they released, yeah. Alright, we can discuss all that later in the review. If you don't know what we're talking about here, there's some different versions of this movie out there. Mainly the new ones, George Lucas came back around and started playing with some stuff, adding some CGI in there. He changed Han shooting Greedo. And then, I don't know, with the Blu-rays, did they change stuff again, or did they just update what George Lucas updated? I don't imagine it's much of a quality update. <laughs> I think they just did like remasters on this one mostly the most recent like change i can think of that was like significant was they edited the on versus Greedo scene so that it looks like they shoot at the same time. Yeah, it makes it look like Han kind of leans out of the way of the bullet or something. It's kind of weird. It looks very awkward. It is weird because they have to move him like digitally or whatever. They move his head so He's just still as a statue, and then the head all on its own is like, boop, goes over <laughs> to the right some. It's so weird. I don't know why they changed it. I'm sorry, Mad Mike. You had a question that launched us off into this uh, ranting. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> we can get more into the changes later. <laughs> yes. I just asked what your guys' impressions were watching this one after we've moved through. How many movies have we watched now? Five? It feels nice to come back to like the classic, you know, like we've been kind of going through all the, well, not, I guess they're not the newer ones anymore, but like kind of a mix of both, I guess, the this generation, last generation, and now we're back on the original generation. And it's like, ah, this is where it all began. It's kind of interesting to, to get back there to remember what it was like before. 
It's like going home for a big old Thanksgiving dinner. A breath of fresh air. What was kind of interesting, I think, was how little like world building and fleshing had been done at this point. Because it was the first thing in the franchise to happen. So people are like calling the Jedi and the Sith like wizards and sorcerers and your ancient religion has no place in this time. And they say a bunch of things that never come up again, you know, after more material has been generated and the world has been fleshed out better. But it's kind of fun just to see what it was at its raw core as a purely plot driven film. Well, if I remember correctly, George Lucas wasn't planning to make another movie in this, was he? He didn't think it was going to do good. He bet with um, Spielberg that Spielberg's movie would do better. Well, when this was originally released, it was just called Star Wars. There was no episode four or anything like that tagged onto it. It was just called Star Wars. And then, I believe if I remember correctly, they took it out of theaters for a little bit, and then they put on the other taglines after it was doing so good. They were like, we need to do more of this. So the changes were always there from the beginning. They've been like, ah, we'll add this to the movie. We'll add this to the movie. For this one, most of the changes are actually decent. Like, I I could see myself watching the Blu-ray of this or the DVD special edition of this one, and it'd be okay. The most egregious things are switching upon not shooting first, which he does in the theatrical one. And then the CGI Jabba the Hutt is the other one that's pretty egregious. Man, when Han steps over his tail... That is like one of the worst digital effects I have ever seen in like a like theatrical film. I don't feel like Han Solo would step on Jabba the Hutt's tail, you know? And Jabba wouldn't just be like, oh, my dear boy, after having his tail stepped on. Well, they had to do something because he's this big old slug and he's just walking behind the stand-in. Which, if you can find the um, clips of the stand-in, it's pretty um, interesting watching that. <laughs> yeah, other than those two changes, most of it is just like fixing up explosions, adding in better CGI or effects over matte paintings, remastering it so it looks better. I mean, the theatrical cut, it looks old now. It's got all the, the film grains in it, this dirty... You can tell the sometimes the lightsabers, the, the effect doesn't go on them quite right, and you can see the stick they're using. <laughs> so it's mostly harmless changes Lucas makes to this one. Yeah, I think most of them are on tattooing that I don't like. Like, they just add a bunch of CGI creatures, like, filling the background up, and it gets, like, overbearing. Those are horrible. I hate them. Yeah, there's like one weird transition where there's a giant like dinosaur walks across the screen and it's like, ugh, this is terrible. And it's like bad CGI. Like it's not like good. It's horrible. It's atrocious. It's interesting having seen the the special edition of this the most, I think, out of any of it. And going back to the theatrical cut, almost all the stuff he adds in doesn't even need to be in there right you don't need han talking the jabba you don't need all the cgi beasts when they're first getting in the moss eisley because you get a whole bunch of cool aliens practical effect aliens when you get into the cantina and stuff like they even replace the wolf man he's not in the the special editions and he's so cool looking 
I do think, you know, it's probably because of the remasters, but I do feel like it holds up pretty well in terms of like effects and stuff. I'm sure they did touch up a lot of them to make them better, but I feel like, yeah, for the most part, it feels pretty good like in the the universe and watching like the blasters and the lightsaber. Sure, it's like from the early 80s or 70s or wherever this movie came out, but it looks pretty good. I can agree to this since I watched the theatrical cut. The lightsabers are honestly the worst part of the CGI stuff. The blasters look great. The explosions look great. I mean, you can see the boxes on the TIE fighters, but I mean, that's just going to happen with um, getting better TVs and stuff. But as far as all the effects go, yeah, everything looks real good still. You know, I think it may be in part that's because I always think about this movie in terms of like, you know, what was it comparable to in 77 and throughout the 80s, you know? Like when it first came out, this would have been like kind of lumped in with stuff like Flash Gordon and Buck Rogers, but it's so much better. <laughs> like the effects by far and away are like hilariously better than like Flash Gordon or your Hunter from the Future. Yeah, and the sound design is much better than those too. Those were like the the starting point for Star Wars and then they're just like we're going to do this but we're going to do it better. <laughs> yeah, like what a cool movie for the times. Like what a landmark, you know? It seems like a huge turning point for sci-fi as a genre. The only things you had were like yeah, Flash Gordon and those types, but those weren't necessarily great. But yeah, this was monumental at the time when it came out cuz nobody had seen anything quite like Star Wars. And I'd argue that we haven't seen anything quite like Star Wars or anything that's had as much of an impact on the genre as Star Wars did since it released. Maybe The Matrix, but that'd be the the only other one I could see. I would say the the Marvel movies getting into the sci-fi stuff now cuz that's what the new big stuff is for kids these days. Well, I mean like something that sets the standard and changes the genre as a whole. I don't know if the Marvel changes the sci-fi genre much. I would say it pushes like ensemble action more than actually changing the sci-fi genre. Alien? Aliens is a good one, but it still is it's more like Space Odyssey with the the way the tech looks and things like that. Yeah. I'm just thinking of like influential films, like big movies that have influenced tons of other stuff and like Aliens up there, Star Wars up there, Space Odyssey, Blade Runner, I guess. I don't know if that came out before or after this. Yeah, Blade Runner would would be one. I feel like out of all of them though, Star Wars was the one that made it feasible for future sci-fi films to become marketable to a mass audience. Well, because this one's more of like a fantasy, you know, I'm sure everybody's heard that before, but it's like, you know, got space magic and princesses and like evil kings and stuff like that. Like you could replace all these characters with like knights and rogues and stuff and it would still tell the same story. For sure, because Lucas was super influenced by Akira Kurosawa and his movies. And then just the adventure serials that were on back then at the time. I mean, he went on to make Indiana Jones with Steven Spielberg, so there you go. It had the effect then that Lord of the Rings had on the fantasy genre. 
back in the early 2000s where it's like, hey, there's actually a big market for this if people are, are willing to take the time and take a risk to do something good in the genre. It is hard to critique this movie, I find, because it is such a classic and I do enjoy myself watching it. This is definitely a classic. I mean, this movie is what... Um, our media teacher in school used to break down the hero's journey for us. You know, beat for beat, this is, you know, the hero's journey. It's a traditional fairy tale, but in a setting and genre that hadn't had a traditional fairy tale told in it before. So the only thing I can compare it now to is the um, like Avatar, the last samurai dances with wolves, right? It's the same story, but in different locations and time periods. Even though you know all the beats, it keeps it interesting because you're seeing how they're going to twist it in their new setting. So it's one of those things where nobody had done that kind of story in an epic sci-fi fantasy adventure. I do think my favorite moment in this movie is the cantina scene. I love that room just full of crazy looking creatures. I was just having a blast looking at all these weird looking things. <laughs> I mean, like, this is fun. Like, this is cool. I think this movie does a good job of that. Even we were just bashing on the remasters, but... Even with it, like I think like they do a good job of just establishing how big the galaxy is and how vast of like these different species and stuff are. For sure, yeah. I was trying to count how many different species you see. And when we got to the cantina, I lost count. <laughs> just too many in there. It's it's cool. It's so creative. Like Mike was saying in our episode one review, it's just so creative and it gets your imagination going. So you mentioned your favorite scene, TV. What's everybody else's favorite scene from this movie? Hmm. Oh, oh no. <laughs> you go, Fox. What's yours? You know, I think... Uh, I think mine is whenever they're in the trash compactor and like when they finally get C-3PO to like shut it down, like he's like, oh, <laughs> probably better check in with them, huh? I kind of forgot. And then they stop it. <laughs> like Luke and Leia and Han are just like crack it up. They're like, oh my God, near death. <laughs> they look like they are genuinely having fun hanging out in a trash compactor. Yeah. <laughs> with a weird, like, tentacle monster, which was another question I had. What the heck is that thing? It's the nasty trash monster that lives in the compactor. How does it live in there? <laughs> it eats trash. What do you want from it? It's the trash man. I don't know. That's what I've been missing from Star Wars, I think, though, is people just genuinely seeming like they're happy to be on the set of Star Wars together having a blast. And it makes me love that scene all the more. It's pretty tense. It is. Mike? Um, hold on. Um. <laughs> He's like, YouTube, YouTube best scenes of episode four. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a, another favorite when uh, Darth Vader chokes out that guy in the boardroom. I love that. That's a great scene. I find your lack of faith disturbing. Yes. Your sorcery has no place here. It's so eerie because I love the look of all the other people in that boardroom just being like, uh, this is weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, holy crap, he can choke people without touching them. Yeah. Sounds like Joe missed that in the orientation material. Watch out for <laughs> Vader. He may or may not choke you while you're not looking. Don't bring up space magic in the boardroom. I love that Tarkin's just like... 
Come on, Vader, let him go. Jeez. <laughs> we get it. You can choke people. <laughs> and it shows how cool Tarkin is because it's like you got this super imposing bad guy who answers the Tarkin and does what he tells him to do. So you're like, holy crap, this guy is like on top of things. Yeah, Vader's just the muscle in this movie. I, I think I've thought about it. And I think my favorite scene is when Han and uh, Luke get into the guns on the Falcon and they're gunning down the TIE fighters. That is good. So intense. So fun. The music is just like going to town during that scene. It's like, oh, that's like everything you want out of Star Wars right there. (laughs) That's another moment where you can tell the actors are just having fun, too, because they're just smiling and blasting and whooping and cheering. Yeah. (laughs) Mark Hamill seems like he's so happy to be included at that point. (laughs) Yeah, he just killed a man, and he's so happy about it. Yeah. (laughs) I did it. (laughs) Don't get cocky, kid. (laughs) Oh man, it's, that's hard to pick out a scene. There's so many I like. Like I love Vader's introduction. I love when they blow up the Death Star. I don't know, there's a lot. I think well, one of mine I always liked is after they jump in the hyperspace from Moss Eisley and Obi-Wan's training Luke with the remote. You've got Han Solo doubting everything and then Chewie and the R2 playing chess and stuff. I don't know. I always like that scene quite a bit. So I love that we see this chessboard like over and over in the series. Like it's so funny. <laughs> Every time I see it, I just crack up. I wish I understood the rules of this space chess. <laughs> <laughs> when uh, um, Chewbacca just leans his head back when uh, Han's like, a Wookiee will tear his arms off. And <laughs> Wookiee's like, that's right. He just has a smug <laughs> look on his face. It's like, what the heck? Like, how does he look so smug with no lip? Uh, he has lips and they're weird they make terry very uncomfortable he was going the whole time (laughs) (laughs) it's like a dog's lips if a dog had lips i don't like it oh i thought of another scene i really like when they're um when luke and leia are running from the stormtroopers and they lock the door and have to fight their way across that gap i like that scene quite a bit too (laughs) that scene cracks me up Because like previously, you know, back on Tatooine, Ben Kenobi's like, hmm, these blaster marks can only been from stormtroopers. Only they have that accuracy. And then Luke and Leia are just standing there totally exposed, getting blasted (laughs) at, and nobody can get close to them. That's the staple. I love how inept the stormtroopers are in this movie. It cracks me up. (laughs) (laughs) They're just just here to get paid, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Like when they're looking out in the desert for R2 and C-3PO, and that one's like, we haven't found anything. And then one just pops up from the bottom of the frame and is like, look, sir, droids. Yeah, I bet there was like a track, a line leading, like, because, you know, R2 is just like a ground droid rolling. I bet there was just like this trail leading, and the one guy's like, no droids here, let's just go now. (laughs) Something I love about this one that's really not in any of the other movies is the charisma and chemistry between all the characters in it. Like, you have Han, Luke, and Leia. They're so charismatic. The charisma is there. The chemistry is there. And that's lacking in, like, every other Star Wars movie. 
I think they have a good energy. I wouldn't say like the acting's amazing. I think Luke's a little iffy, but I think there's enough like energy behind it. Iffy? Yeah, he's not the best. What's iffy about it? Just his like delivery. He's always like, well, I don't know about that. It's kind of so, I don't know. It's comparing him to like Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher. He is not quite on par, I would say. Luke's just a kid. He's been farming his whole life, whereas Han Solo's been on all these adventures, gunslinging and uh, smuggling stuff, and then Carrie Fisher's a princess. They all like act their parts perfectly. I think. I'm 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 saying it's still good. I'm just saying like. I think it gets better even as we go. I mean, I I see where you're coming from, TV. I get you. It it does get better because they get more fleshed out, but I wouldn't say it's bad at all. I wouldn't say it's bad. I I do think Mark Hamill isn't quite as strong as the other two, but... I feel like there's like an off-screen element where he's just so comfortable hanging out with them. And maybe they, you know, probably were like good friends off-camera. It just feels very natural whenever they have dialogue. Yeah, I mean... There's still charisma there, but I just think the delivery sometimes is like, eh. It's not the best thing in the world, but it's okay. It's passable. Unlike where I would say, like, you know, the prequels where I was like, I don't like much of the performances in this these series at all. Where this, I'm like, I like these guys. I feel like they actually have, like, energy and charisma to them. And, you know, it feels like they're actually friends. Man, what else to say about this one? I mean... I guess I can bring up a couple more minute complaints. Yeah, no, I mean, you... you Let's hear them. We'll berate you into oblivion. It's fine. Don't worry. (laughs) My next complaint. um, I mean, and once again, I understand why it is the way it is, but the lightsaber fight between Vader and Ben Kenobi is a little iffy. It's a little better than I remembered it being, actually. I don't know if maybe the remasters helped that or not, but... It's still very just much two old guys swinging sticks at each other. Yeah. Maybe if we just don't talk about it, it'll... <laughs> just just think about it. Imagine it in your mind and just don't talk about it. So when they were doing this one, they didn't know how they wanted the Jedi to fight with the lightsabers yet. So this one, they were like, all right, the lightsaber, treat it like a two-handed weapon as opposed to single-handed like we see in most of the other sequels to this and they are legitimately a guy in armor and just some old guy you know so it's not (laughs) yeah i mean alec guinness was in his like late 60s at this point wasn't he something like that yeah and like i don't feel like the vader suit was very flexible at this point in production so i think that i don't i feel like there were some limitations but there is a scene where vader like kind of holds it pointing out from his chest and just kind of jabs (laughs) at kenobi (laughs) and it is kind of rough but hey I, I like to imagine it's a lot cooler. That's something that does not hold up very well compared, well, even to episodes five and six where the lightsaber duels are actually good, especially compared to the prequels. But then again, back then it was the first time anybody saw two people with, um, as Lucas calls them, laser swords <laughs> fighting each other in space. So, All right, so my other complaint is I do feel like the pacing feels a little off in this movie. It does slow down every once in a while. I think it might be like maybe 20 minutes too long. What would you cut? Yeah, do tell. Hmm. That's that's always my question when people bring up the pacing or why it's long. What would you cut? I feel like the movie ended after they escaped the Death Star, and then it felt like a whole new... like movie of them destroying the Death Star to me. I feel like they could have cut it there and then did something else 
to destroy the Death Star like inside while they're already in the Death Star, or maybe they could have just did it in the next movie, I guess. Or you could cut some of that stuff at the beginning with the droids. I feel like they're not nearly as fun as the other three characters. That's what I would cut. You know, I had forgotten how much I liked C-3PO's humor in this movie. And looking back at the prequels, I guess, talking about kind of how we feel about this one now, I feel like they kind of missed the mark on his humor after this trilogy. I feel like they kind of dumb it down and make it a little just more mean instead of kind of sarcastic and dry. And it's more humor at his expense as opposed to him having an interesting relationship with R2-D2. I really enjoy C-3PO and R2-D2's um, relationship. I think it's really funny and interesting. And uh, I love how you can tell exactly what R2's saying from the tones and chirps of his beeps and just how C-3PO responds to him. I always thought that was cool. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I could see cutting some of... That stuff with the droids out, Terry, but not cutting out the Death Star after they escape because there's so much in that. You get Luke's first steps to really becoming a Jedi. You get Han's character arc gets fulfilled during that. You get the awesome trench run with the awesome uh, space battle and everything in there. So I completely disagree with that. Well, they could have <laughs> immediately gone into that right after. They could have, like, I'm not saying in a pure editing, but like as a storytelling standpoint, even like, it feels like it slows down so quickly after like that, what I would call almost the climax of the movie. And then there's just suddenly another climax of the movie. It's just like once they go back to the rebels base, I'm like, all right, let's just get on to the the next big thing because we still got like 30 minutes here. We could have just like combined those two or something. It's like a, a taking a breather after you've run. Like you gotta you gotta slow down and catch your breath before getting over the big obstacle. Yeah, you gotta take it easy. Well, it may be part of it's because of the the remaster because they add in a lot of scenes during that with Biggs and setting up his relationship with Luke. So that's completely absent in the theatrical cut. Okay. So I'm not crazy. His relationship with Luke. Yeah, was new. That wasn't in the theatrical cut. Okay. Cause I did not remember that, but it looked pretty like normal. So I was like, Hmm, I must've just forgotten. Yeah. That iconic character. That gets killed. Biggs is iconic. How dare you? Is he? Yeah, they made a Lego of him. That's how you know you're an iconic character. I only live so I can die, just like Porkins. <laughs> Poor Porkins. I can't believe they named the big guy Porkins. That's so mean. <laughs> that is the meanest thing in this movie. This guy who has like a two-bit part of like just, I'm in this movie for like, 30 seconds. His name is Porkins. He's a chubbier guy, and he just <laughs> dies immediately. <laughs> I always felt that was his, the nickname. That's not his real name. What a mean nickname! I feel like it would be better if it was his real name. <laughs> it's even worse if it's a nickname. Hey man, you're like a rebel Top Gun, but we're gonna call you Porkins. You don't get a cool name like Maverick or Iceman. No, no. <laughs> it's Porkins. <laughs> so mean. Going back to uh, feeling this movie's pretty long, I always felt that it was pretty short. You know, I always forget that this movie is two hours long because it seems like an hour and 20 minutes to me because I'm just having so much fun watching it every time I see it. I would agree, but I might be a little biased, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm biased too, definitely. But it always seems like it's not 
a two-hour movie to me every time I watch it. Do we want to hit overall presentation on this one then? Let's let's make a mention about the music first. Wait, is this one of those parts where we all go, "God, I love it." Oh, me too. Probably. I had a little uh an interesting thought during it though. Nothing bad. The music in episode 4 is I think probably the best out of every single movie, I would say, because it introduces all the iconic themes that the entire series will use from <laughs> for the rest of its runtime and it's great cuz it's the first time you got to hear it uh it really brings the world to life and i would say all the backing tracks for the action are better than everything else in the rest of the series at least when compared to the prequels, of of course. I've talked about how much I love the music in the prequels, and I can name all the tracks that are my favorite. But I think episode four in particular is just consistently good the whole time. Like I can't pick out a favorite track from this lineup because they're all just so good. They work so good together and with the um, movie as a whole that I I can't think of it without any of the music in it. Whereas in the in at least the prequels, I can imagine them switching out some of the backing tracks for stuff, but not in this one. It's phenomenal. It's nice just hearing all that music again because it's like ah, feels like I'm back, kind of. You know, it's like this is what I've been waiting for: the classic themes in the right context. That's what stood out the most to me when watching it this time was like. Man, the music's so good. I mean, it, that's preaching to the choir, but it really hammers it home after watching the prequels where, don't get me wrong, the music's good all the way through in the prequels, but it's not episode four good. <laughs> yeah, that iconic scene where Luke comes out of uh, his house on Tatooine, you know, and you have the, the two planets in the distance and that French horn solo comes in. Ooh, that's nice. Like, what an iconic scene in film as a whole, man. Oh, yeah. Everybody knows that. Probably the best shot of the movie? Yeah, I, I would say so, yeah. Probably the best shot of the film. All right, well, let's hit that overall presentation. We have a scale in this hive of scum and villainy. It goes from burn it, pass, watch it, or buy it, in that order. We all kind of give a brief overview of our thoughts give it a rating, and then we try to average it out. So who knows what we'll pick, but I have a pretty good feeling. I think I know what we're all going to pick, too. And I'm just going to say right off the bat, this is a buy it, definitely. I mean, they use this movie to teach other students in film schools how to make movies. It's amazing, so much fun. It was like a breath of fresh air coming back to this for me after watching these other movies, which I did enjoy, but... This was just, you know, this was the classic. It is the classic. This is just the embodiment of Star Wars for me. It's definitely a buy it. It's amazing. Yeah. Like Mad Mike said, like, just go buy it. Like, <laughs> come on. <laughs> what a blast of a movie. You know, it's so much fun. And the main cast doesn't even seem like they're like acting to be buddies and have a good time. They seem so happy to be there and so thrilled to be doing it together. So go buy it and you'll never regret it and you'll thank us and you'll 
send money to our non-existent Patreon, and everybody will be happier for it. (laughs) (laughs) Way to plug our non-existent Patreon. Thank you. For our 12 (laughs) listeners. (laughs) I thought you'd appreciate that. (laughs) Yeah, this movie is a classic for a reason, I think, for sure. It was innovative for the time. Um, Yeah, just the energy behind it is what really holds it up. Maybe the performances could be better. Maybe they're not the best, but I think that just like, yeah, the charisma between all the actors and the music keep it feeling like it's full of energy and kinetic. I do think there is some pacing issues, uh, but I don't think it really holds it down that bad. I'm going to give it a bite as well. It's not the strongest bite ever. I think my favorite is to come still, but I still give it a bite, if not just for its like mark on history of film. So a bite. I mean, it's, it's Star Wars. It's the first one. It, it's iconic. We've talked about why it's iconic. It's just great. The actors are great in it. The music's great. The action's great. The story's great. You can relate to everything. It's easy to follow. Everybody can enjoy it. It set a huge precedent for sci-fi moving forward. There's just nothing to dislike in this one. It's, it's great. It's one of my favorite films of all time. Shaped a lot of my childhood. I've got a ton of nostalgia for it. As you get older, you'll find new things to enjoy from it. And it just gets better with age. I can't recommend it enough. So definitely a buy it from me. Uh, this one, I will say, is safe to buy on Blu-ray. If you can't get the theatrical versions. The special editions are okay to own for this one in particular. All right. So that's bias all across the board. Who would have suspected? I don't know. Terry was starting to worry me there for a second. <laughs> I was like, wait a second. You know, throughout the review, I was thinking if I should give it a watch it. But you know what? I'll just go with my gut and say buy it. That's what I'll have to do. I'll have to trust in the force. Yeah. yeah. That's what I like to hear. Well, so next week, we're just moving on ahead, right? We're doing episode five, The Empire Strikes Back. Oh, yeah. I'm excited. I like this one a lot. So if any of you listeners out there have any movie suggestions, we are getting closer to the end of the series, I guess. Maybe a little over halfway, right? We're over halfway. Ooh. Okay. So, yeah. Now's your chance. Keep sending us those movie recommendations. I'm sure we're going to want to break from, like long consistent franchises after this series so (laughs) we're gonna want some variety give us your suggestions we want to hear them you can uh, send those to us at run the real podcast at gmail.com or you can hit us up on facebook or on twitter at run the real and let us know we want to hear from you we also have polls sometimes you can vote and let your opinions be known yeah vote into polls it's fun well thanks for listening to us tonight everybody we really appreciate it this is run the real signing off (laughs) 